Hello, it is Patrick, and it is episode 64 of the Solid 60, and I'm just going to run through what I've been up to. It's been a couple of weeks. Things have improved uh, markedly. I did manage to get warehouse work, of course, uh, for an agency. That was always in the offing. Like, I knew I'd get something back on my feet. Had to go to mum, go, look, things are getting desperate. Thanks to her, I could drive down to Melbourne for PAX, which was fun. And know that, you know, I could come back and, and not worry about losing, winding up homeless. Yeah, just a little bit of help and it's all going to go back in the right direction at some point. But thankfully, since then, I have gained meaningful employment and they are based in Eunora, which is a bit of a drive, unfortunately. So that's going to take mm, maybe 40 something minutes when I leave at about six in the morning, depending on traffic. I haven't made the trip at the start time yet, like to get there on time for work. I've, I've been there in the afternoon for an interview and uh, since then just communicated via phone and email. But uh, they're all happy. They, they gave me a medical, which is always a good sign, and then I signed a contract. Last night was the, the final paperwork that I filled out and sent in. Uh, there were a few other options, so it was nice. I had a couple of weeks where I was a bit worried about anything coming good. Then one truck job I went for did offer one thing that he ended up pulling because I couldn't drive a forklift. I was like, sorry, man, I'm going to get that license. I know it's going to happen, but I don't have it yet. Uh, the new job, ironically, they'll train me in how to use a forklift. So that's nice. But at this present time, I couldn't help him out and do what sounded like a reasonably decent gig. It was long hours. I think it was something like 10 hours a day, but the uh, the money was plentiful. I think he was talking about 16 or $1,700 a week, and you're just driving all over the place. It's like Wollongong and North and South, and they really run you ragged, that place. T&D Transport or something. The other job, which he still calls about sometimes, and I'm less keen on, was taking a container from Mascot. It's an automatic truck, which is nice. I've got a feeling it's a larger one, though, like an actual semi-trailer, which I haven't really driven so that would be a challenge. I don't know, I guess for like half an hour and then I'd get used to it. But you got to watch the corners and the downhills a bit more with those things. But yeah, you, you come around. Like even the little mini forklift I use at work, I was shaky as hell with that in the beginning. And now I'm like scooting around corners and reversing into tight spots and moving stuff around. So I think I would have got around that reasonably easily. But the problem was the start time is... 3 a.m., then you're driving up to Tugra, and I think you're done unloading around, I think you said 8.30, 9 o'clock. So there's there's quite a few hours there because it only takes an hour and a half to get to Tugra. You're working from sort of a good four or five hours there. Then you've got the entire day up there in a motel before coming back at about five o'clock and returning at eight o'clock when you're done. So that's a big day. That's probably 18, 19 hours of the day at least, and that you're not at home. So the cats would starve. No, they'd be all right. But, you know, it just there was something appealing about the adventure of it. I mean, you're still doing a, quite a few hours, even if a lot of it's downtime. There's still at least six-ish hours, I think, there of actual, you know, work. Um, so you're not really getting away with too much. Um, it's not like a correction shift where you're just reading a book or watching movies in a hospital. But, yeah, it was something about it was like, that's bizarre maybe bizarre enough to be it's just different not for everyone though because he just keeps calling up and like yeah we had another guy 
drive up and back and said he didn't want it. So I feel bad for the guy who's trying to get out of it and clearly just can't because no one wants the job. But it's uh, academic now because, yeah, I'm going to take this one where it's 70k flat for, I think it's, well, the contract says 38 hours, but you're working from 7 till 4 from Monday to Saturday with two weeks where it's just Monday to Friday. So basically two extra Saturdays a month. And eventually after six months, it's 75k. And so that's okay. I mean, you can get by. I'll be all right. I won't have to worry about rent and all that, but I'll never be buying that GTR. So I don't know. But I posted all three options. The third one was staying at the agency and potentially driving trucks for Linfox, which the money would probably be a little bit better in the long run. But for now, I'd have to really just take my chances with the casual shifts and hope that they uh, come through with their promise. But in the meantime, I could stuff up somehow and that's it, you're gone. I mean, technically the same is true on a trial. First six months, you're on probation, but at least you're accruing and you'll leave already. You get sick days. I won't use any, but the point is you're already, you hit the ground running there. Ultimately, the money might not be as good, but it's a smaller company. So hopefully they're good people like the glass place was. And yeah, you get to make a mark. Whereas it really looks like at Linfox. I mean, that place is huge. You're just going to be another number. And they just fired someone for some unknown reason. Like they really, they don't, not that I want it to be total cakewalk, but they just, the scrutiny level is insane at that place. You even leave a phone in your pocket in the warehouse, you're gone. Like someone's phone rang the other day in a toolbox talk, sent home, never to come back. Someone got a little bit too close to another machine. There's a three meter rule, which is broken constantly, but I don't know what this guy did. Maybe the operator didn't realize he was there when he walked behind him or something like that. But basically, yep, sent home for good. There's no warnings. It's just see you later. So, which is what they can do. That's perfectly within their rights with agency staff because all the full-time staff are going on strike. So that's a bit of drama. They're worried about them intimidating us and having picket lines that we need to cross and they'll get a bus. And that's pretty much the only reason they've brought in casual staff to cover for the striking employees who want, for some reason, to get paid the same amount as the other guys in the same union who do exactly the same job, just further south. They're on, I think, about 29, 30 an hour the guys here are on 24. So for some bizarre reason, they feel like they deserve to get paid exactly the same amount. Go figure. I don't understand where they get that crazy idea, but that's what the action's about. And the boss is somehow trying to justify it to us by saying, yeah, well, um, you know, it's a different competitive model and our contract's not as long. So we have to be more you know, market orientated. And it's just a bunch of bullshit. They just basically don't want to he said that if they did pay them that rate, they would lose the contract and no one would have a job. But yeah, I think there's a bit of greed on both sides. So maybe the guys in, I think it's down in Victoria, they get more. And there's certain reasons why that's not practical up here. Hopefully they meet in the middle and everyone's happy. But for me, I don't think it's somewhere long term that I want to be. I am enjoying the time moving quickly. I don't really get to check my phone, but the fact is you're so busy that two, three hours can just not flip by. You're still looking up now and then and go, oh man, I'm hungry or whatever it is. It's it's not exactly the most exciting work. You're running around picking paint tins from shelves and boxes of glue and all sorts of stuff like that. But if you, if you push yourself hard, you can get through the day pretty easily. And, you know, I've had a few missteps with, uh, you wouldn't be surprised how hard it is to get a pile of crap to sit straight and be stable 
and good enough for the giant shrink wrap machine to work properly. I had to learn that it's, there's more to it than just putting stuff in a general pile. There is actually an art to it, and I think I'm getting better with that. But it's all redundant. As said, I'm starting as a truckie again next week, so I'll be able to get back into podcasts. I haven't really listened to much other than the odd short trip in a car, so I'll be able to... It's, it's really became an obsession with me, getting through these favourites. Like, I caught, got caught up on Tell Him Steve Dave, and there's probably one or two now that I have to listen to, but basically I'm all up to date. And it was a long slog, but weirdly at the end it started getting really fast. Like, the last sort of year or so of episodes, I just smashed through and it was like, oh, I expected a lot more content, to be honest. I was like, there's all... I didn't want to comment on any Facebook groups that they have or any of the online chatter there's even a reddit for it a subreddit that i wanted to stay away from because i didn't want spoilers or basically i wanted to come in and know what people were talking about but even just i could have started jumping online when i was only up to about two or three years ago because there hasn't really been a lot of developments since then it's all been pretty much the same jokes and yeah the only real big thing that happened was that get him steve dave's house burnt down in a fire so I feel bad for him, but at least now I can sort of, when they do a big package like all the Christmas episodes that they sell, they put them together and you can buy them in one big hit. I might grab those because they're still behind a paywall and I'm not big on paying for podcasts. I still listen to Ralph Garman now and then on his Monday and he's got a new kind of concept he came up with because he has to earn. He lost his radio job, so he's like, oh, how can I live on this? And he basically has a free episode on Monday and the rest you have to pay for. And I'm just like... I've got like 6 million episodes I need to listen to, so why would I start paying for one, even if I like the guy? He's not really the same without Kevin Smith. Like, that chemistry that they have and the topics that they cover, it really hits it for me in that sweet spot. I do like his podcast, but to pay whatever it is, even though it's only $5 a month or something, I'm just like, if I cross that threshold, that's it. Then I'm on the Patreon for Tell Them Steve Dave, then I'm... It's like the streaming stuff, which I've kind of gone down that road. It's bad enough. I've got Stan, Netflix... Amazon, and eventually I'll probably have Hulu or Disney Plus or whatever else ends up over here. And that's starting, it's today, I haven't mentioned that yet, the 24th of October. I believe Disney is coming out next month. So National Geographic got kicked off. Some, I got a letter the other day, it was an RMA or someone like that, and I was like, yeah, we no longer have National Geographic. And it's like, well, you know where that's going. So I'll definitely jump on board with that because you've got the mandalorian and all these amazing shows starting so it's going to be exciting and of course i think it's december you've got the the last sort of star wars film of that story arc basically with leia and solo and daisy ridley all these characters that for a long time have been a part of our lives and it's going to all come to a close and hopefully it's a good one it's jj abrams again he's going to steer the ship right you're not going to hopefully give the haters too many easy wins like the last jedi i enjoyed a lot but i had no issues with rose tico or any of those sjw characters that people get upset about i was like it's a great story i'm into it for that i don't care what color they are what gender they are it's all awesome bring it on but yeah there was some issues with some of the narrative stuff like these giant ships that were just chasing each other for way too long and then they could skip off to other worlds and come back and a lot of that made zero sense yeah there's been some good defenses made for it by different people and that the main problem a lot of other people had was that the mark hamill luke skywalker story arc went weird and wasn't true to his character but i've read some good essays showing where no it actually was exactly 
the way it would have gone exactly what he would have done so and it works for him i can't remember those final points right now but i was like yeah okay that works and hopefully jj abrams ties it all up and uh we're all going to be happy i don't it doesn't seem to be getting the same buzz as the last couple of films did maybe everyone's got a bit of fatigue like han solo didn't that didn't do that well because they were just pumping him out so frequently and that's obviously changing now they're going to have this film then maybe one a year then they've got the stuff on streaming thing so that'll probably be enough so it's never going to be like insane levels of hype that you used to get when it was spaced out by like decades but it's it's still an important piece of pop culture that i think it has its place and i'll always be there to watch it i won't be again one of those fanboys that lines up around the block but it's definitely a part of what I'm happy to consume and I'm interested in what they do with it. I don't know if I'll ever get to go see the theme parks that they're building. There's one in Florida that is going to open soon. It's a, an entire experience. It's like a week-long $2,000 role-play adventure where you dress as the part, you go to the Millennium Falcon through a secret tunnel because you can't mix up with the normal park-goers because if you go to the normal Disney park thing, you have to wear... You can't dress up. You've got to just be in normal street clothes because they don't want people confusing you as a actor. They're like, oh, they represent Disney, and if you do something that harms the brand, that's a bad look. But apparently, in this one closed-off theme park, then everyone, it's the other way around. You must dress up. And then I guess everyone there knows that, yeah, if someone does something douchey, that's on them, not Disney. So, hmm. however that works, it sounds really cool. And I would love to do that one day, and it's never going to come here. So hopefully someday in the future that can happen, because I just love that whole... It's the closest we can get to living in some alternate future fantasy. The Outer Limits. I watched a video on that today. I believe that's what it's called. I have to go to Facebook. No, I don't want to. I closed my Facebook browsers because it's way too distracting. I spent far too long arguing with idiots on a group, which I've mentioned before, conservatives and liberals uncensored it's like three thousand conservatives and maybe two or three plucky heroes that jump up now and then and take what's coming to us because they're just like oh so i don't know why i stick around because it's it's just grade school insults still the psychology of what keeps me coming back to go what at what point are they going to go oh maybe we stuffed up maybe this trump guy it just the mental gymnastics that they need to do to keep supporting this guy fascinates me and I'm also fascinated by why I just keep putting up with the constant stream of, it's not verbal abuse, but online trolling that comes with the territory of, I don't know if you call it fighting a good fight because you're not really changing anyone's mind. It's more of a masochistic streak of just like, I'm not sure what I expect to happen, but maybe one day, and I've had, I've had it happen once or twice, where you can make the right point and someone will concede. I've never seen anyone concede that's like far on the right, but someone that's kind of proclaims to be more in the middle, like, oh, I don't like Trump, but, you know, on the right, on, on these issues. And then you can kind of have a conversation where there's somewhere in the middle and you can agree on, you can have a middle ground where you're like, right, we agree about this and not about that. And then to me, that's the basis for an interesting conversation. Yeah, usually it just descends into tit for tat schoolyard fights. So, and there's the cat. Whenever I start talking, he wanders in. Hi, Gizmo. He'll just uh, happily wander up and sit on my lap, no matter what I'm doing, until he sees a stray wander in, and then he's off to fight a new battle. Yeah, I believe it's called Outer Limits. That's what I was going to... Stay away from the keyboard. I don't want too much typing while I do this. It does get into the speaker. 
So I'll just say it looks amazing. You can download the game on Xbox Live using the Game Pass for like one dollar. So you can take the trial, I believe, and then get this game instead of paying ninety dollars. So isn't capitalism great? Sometimes it works. Not in that game. In that game, they make it out to be rather pernicious system in most ways, uh, according to the review. Um, it has its pros and cons, but generally you're fighting against this evil corporation as, as you do. But it looks amazing and it looks like they've really captured that whole obsidian sense of humor, the complex characters, the, the good writing, the strong narrative, the beautiful settings. It's all like a movie set in space with these the lighting is amazing so i just don't know when i'm going to find time to really put some hours into it because apparently it's a 40 hour main game and there's probably 10 different endings so yeah now the cat's back and is probably going to sit on my hand which is holding the mice so mouse so i better move on to something to read which would be for some reason this is sitting here it's an article about james cameron so it's a bit out of date it's probably a few years old no no august the 29th so it's only about a month and change back so let's have a look all right exclusive james cameron understands better than anyone that revisiting the past to alter the course of history is a dicey proposition at best but that hasn't stopped the hollywood titan from taking on his latest cinematic mission returning returning to the terminator franchise that gave him the first signature success of his history making career see they say that but is he you know, it's like the Thor meme. I just don't um, see it because like a couple of the other ones, he's involved to a degree as a producer, but he's not directing. They've got another director. The director's good, but I'm really like on the fence on this one. The, the trailer looks okay, but I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. I'll definitely watch it, but I'm not convinced it's going to be what the franchise needed. Everything since Terminator 2 has been an absolute mess, except maybe Salvation, which a lot of people hate, but I thought it was good fun. It was like in its own little universe, maybe, and had that weird scene with the giant robots picking up piles of people that were still alive in these weird cages, and I was like, ah, uh, not sure how I feel about that. Uh, it just seemed really unlikely, like the Matrix, where they use people as power. It's like, why wouldn't you just use cows? Like, it seemed a little bit over the top, but, I mean, it, you're dealing with... <laughs> when you talk about over the top you, you can't really complain about that when you when you're talking about giant killer robot things but just some things break the suspension of disbelief for me and weirdly that was one going back to this it's special cameron said of the terminator success that propelled him towards ever grander spectacle projects like aliens the abyss titanic avatar so many sci-fi's greatest showman moved on from his skynet series in 1991 that's a Jesus, I thought Terminator 2 was newer than that. But now he's reunited with his first great cinematic brand through Terminator Dark Fate. He's joined by the two signature stars, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton. So it's the first time she's back, so that's promising. As well as Edward Furlong, so that's pretty amazing. He was a child actor when he portrayed John Connor 28 years ago in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And thankfully, they didn't already waste him on Terminator 3. They used someone else playing the same character but yeah it looked nothing like him so didn't really work for a lot of other reasons too cameron said hasta la vista to the franchise after the mega success of t2 and turned his attention to a different schwarzenegger collaboration true lies in 94 but the filmmaker's sleek cinematic contraption continued on its metallic march without its creator 
adding three feature films of increasing suspect achievement. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines in 2003, Salvation in 9, and Terminator Genesis in 2017. Which even though it had an Asian Terminator for the first time and Khaleesi, it still couldn't be saved from its uh, storied mess that it was. The trio of films, they may have been forgettable since their release, but their status will be downgraded to officially obsolete when Dark Fate opens the day after Halloween. That's because the time travel aspects of the new story have been used to effectively erase. See, now I need to use the mouse, and of course the cat's on it. So, give me a second. This is when he decides he needs pats. Halfway through a podcast. Gizmo, stop pushing my hand away from the mouse. <laughs> yeah, so they've effectively erased the events depicted in the three previous installments. I don't know if they acknowledge that they could have happened, but then, you know, through time machine shenanigans, they don't. Or it's just they pretend the movies don't exist. I don't know what's going on there. But Cameron said the approach was part of Skydance boss David Ellison's pitch to bring the creator of John Connor, Yana, it's a long list of things, back into the fold by pruning back the mythology. A similar tactic was used by Paramount's most successful sci-fi brand, Star Trek, when the 2009 film used time travel as both a plot device and as a fresh opportunity for canon clutter. Yeah, well, it kind of reminds me of the Star Wars thing where they just decanonized like 90% of the stuff out there like the comics the books then they had new books that did count but yeah it's very messy and it makes sense it's like the comics every now and then they'll just completely reboot everything which is sad if you're a long time fan but it makes sense again James Cameron here I suppose it's an unusual situation from a high level perspective since I wasn't involved in three intervening films but when I talked to David about his vision it was basically go back to basics and do a continuation from Terminator 2, which is one of his favourite films. He always believed in the potential of Terminator, but he really felt like that his own film, Genesis, and he was quite honest with me about this, fell short of the mark and didn't really do what he had wanted it to do. I say it's the creator of that movie, that's not just a whole bunch of new people. He's like, no, I fucked it, let's try again. He said, let's start with a blank slate and take it back to Terminator 2. And that idea was intriguing. The intrigue snowballed into engaged interest and then intensifying enthusiasm. <laughs> then the big question about cast. What about Hamilton, Schwarzenegger? Cameron and Ellison huddled with Tim Miller. That's who it is, the Deadpool director. It's not just some fly-by-night hack. It's Tim Miller himself. He'd already been brought aboard to helm the next Terminator film when the plan was a sequel to Genesis. And the three gnawed away at the possibilities. A quick consensus formed. Everyone wanted the return of Sarah Connor, but only if Hamilton did return to play the part herself. We spent several weeks breaking story and figuring out what type of story we wanted to tell, so we would have something to pitch Linda, said Cameron, who was married to the actress from 97 to 99. Wow, better get the pitch right, because she ain't brooking no bullshit. We rolled up our sleeves and started to break out the story, and when we got a handle on something, we looked at it as a three-film arc, so there is a greater story there to be told. If we get fortunate enough to make some money... We know exactly where we can go with the subsequent films. I love how even James Cameron is beholden to box office sales now. Like after his storied, illustrious, glamorous career, he still can't just go, I'm going to make three films no matter what. Though he seems to be doing that with Avatar, but of course it made all the money. So it only just got knocked off the top spot. So I guess that makes sense. And it has been, yeah, nearly, what, 30 years since there was a really successful Terminator film. So, yeah, they've got to get this one right. It's produced by Cameron and Ellison's Sky Dance. What else do they do? Cameron wrote this treatment and took a hands-on producer role. So, more hands-on than anything so far. That's good to know. 
Uh, Miller directed the film off a script by a writer's room that teamed Josh Friedman of the TV Terminator with David S. Goya of the Dark Knight trilogy, Justin Rhodes and Billy Ray, whoever they are. I'm sure they're great. More scrolling needed. We're going to fight the cat. Oh, God, come on. Cameron is quick to point out that Miller is the director of the film in every sense. My belief is that if you get a director who's grown up and knows what to do, you turn them loose. My role as a producer was in pre-production, prep and shepherding the script. But it was Tim's film when it was all done. All right with Tim. He can just do whatever he wants, this young, plucky, up-and-coming director. In fact, Cameron, consumed by the sheer scope of the Avatar sequels and their world creation demands, never personally visited the Dark Fate set. Oh, that's not good. I want him all over it. At least visit the set, goddammit. Now the cat's literally biting the shit out of my hand. Okay, that's enough. No, oh my god, he just got... <laughs> that was painful. Claw went into the lap. From a distance, he took a strong active interest in the story elements. With Cameron and the familiar stars back, there'd been a surge in morale for the cast, crew and creative team. But Cameron knew one aspect of the project that required more than bandwagon gusto. I focused on getting the script punched up. I didn't feel we went into the shoot with the script exactly where it should have been. There was a lot of momentum. There was a start date. There was a lot of energy and a lot of go fever. But the script wasn't where it needed to be. So I quietly worked on it in the background and shipping out pages. Sometimes I was shipping out pages the day before they shot a scene. I'm not sure that was 100% always helpful. But overall I kept the characters on track and sounding right and being where they needed to be. Christ. It's um... Well, great films have been made that way, I guess, but yeah, it's a bit concerning. Did Cameron go back to dissect the three films made without his participation? Yes, he and the project writing team did revisit the third, fourth and fifth movies in the Killer Cyborg series, which Cameron says revealed some things that would need to avoid. Wow, that, they fucked up, not me. Deadline. Edit your shit. So I'll say it the way it meant to be said, which Cameron said revealed some things that would need to be avoided if dark fate is to have any chance of a bright destiny. Oh, God. One of the things that seemed obvious from looking at the films that came along later was that we would need to get everything back to basics and we would need to avoid the mistakes of making things overly complex and that we needed to avoid stories that jump around in time and one that goes backwards and forwards in time. Let's keep it simple in the relative unity of time. So he's already... Got me confused. With the story, let's have the whole thing play out in 36 hours or 48 hours. In the first two movies, everything plays out in less than two days in each one. So there's energy and momentum. He also wanted to return to the ominous and visceral world presented in the first two films, which present a story universe of gunmetal hues, high-caliber action, and hard choices. That created a conflict, however, between the two imperatives, matching the early films with their promise of gritty, unrelenting R-rated action, versus keeping the film in a PG-13 arena the broadest audience and biggest up box office would stay viable. The tug in either direction was substantial and no easy answer presented itself. Why are they doing it 13? Do it R. Jesus, you can make money with R. Look at Joker. Deadpool himself. The director from that movie is uh Well, that's frustrating. Science fiction filmmaking has been compromised over the past couple of decades. That compromise is trying to pander to a large audience and making these big expensive movies and then following the common wisdom that, well, once you're making one of those movies that reflexes, it must be PG-13. And the thinking is, if it's not, then you'll cut out 25-30% of your potential earning power. And on a big film, that's your margin. That can be the difference between profitability or losing money. Well, I can understand the pressure, but... In the end, Paramount told producers to give Dark Fate the kind of intense action and menace that befits its name and heritage. Of course, the previous two Terminator films 
were each PG-13, expeditions into the Skynet mythology, and in the end, that may have done more to embrace the R-rated approach than anything else. Yeah, because they lost, they lost the edge a bit. The stakes of that kind of decision have been raised by the marketplace opportunity presented by China, which will accept intense PG-13 fare, such as the Fox film Spawn, but won't take R-rated content like Fox's Logan. In some rare cases, there may be a third option, Deadpool 2, which is a repackaged version that adds new content, but also excises moments of, say, intense violence or sexually charged imagery in order to meet PG-13 guidelines. Few films lend themselves to that kind of reworking, but the meta-storytelling approach of Deadpool 2 made it viable. Cameron admits that early in the Dark Fate filming time was set aside to shoot scenes both ways, with full R language and action, and then also with the tamed-down version, that would serve as a sort of coverage for content that would preserve fallback options if the rating decision was reconsidered. Even going into the shooting, we were like, okay, let's cover it both ways. Cameron conceded. So we would have a scene where Sarah is completely unfiltered, with no mediation, and then shoot it again, where it was tamed down. But eventually we just said, to hell with this, it's a waste of time. I think the feeling was that everyone wanted to recapture the tone and sensibility of the first two films, which I considered flattering. The ramp-up for the film revved up at Comic-Con International in San Diego last month, which is where Furlong's return was announced, who appeared from New Zealand via satellite hookup. And he kicked into a higher gear today, well, not really today, but then, with a big social media marketing push. For the uninitiated, the original Reagan-era film, the date of August 29, 1997, is cited as Judgment Day, the day that civilization is knocked down to its knees by Skynet. An artificial interval. Okay, we know all this, we can skip that. For Cameron and Furlong, the November film will be their first foray into the bleak mythology since Terminator 2 Judgment Day, its milestone release in 1991. The sequel to The Terminator was the most expensive film in Hollywood history, and it finished as the top-grossing film of 91 with $500 million in worldwide box office. Cameron produced, directed, and co-wrote the sequel with TriStar Pictures that opened over the 4th of July weekend. The landmark CG effects carried the intense sci-fi action film far and wide in overseas markets. While its domestic success was staged atop the original film's second-life popularity as a home video rental in those blockbuster days of the VCR craze. The two Cameron films propelled Schwarzenegger to the top ranks of Hollywood blockbuster stars and made his character one of the most unlikely entries on the list of truly iconic Hollywood screen actors. Cameron's two films also became templates for several generations of filmmakers and video game designers who borrow freely from their approaches to CG, visual effects, production design, makeup innovations, sci-fi aesthetics, stirring music, sound design, etc. Does Cameron find that flattering or nettlesome? That's a word you don't see used very often. I think it's part of the fun to be in that sort of causal chain in development of artistic memes, or however you want to think of it, in cinema. You know, I think of where I was when I was writing Terminator. I loved Alien, I loved The Road Warrior, I loved Blade Runner, I loved Westworld. I love 2001, and all of that. It's all in there. So I was influenced by the films that came before me. No artist exists in a vacuum, and all screenwriters are fans of something. Something got you so excited that you just had to jump up and go try to do your own version of it. And so none of that exists in a vacuum. The trick is to make it new and fresh, and to take the elements that went into your thought process and to combine those elements in some new and fresh way, and then make that your own. I look at a film, like The Matrix, for example, and I see little snippets of DNA from The Terminator in there, and I'm fine with that. It's like, great! can celebrate that. It's a completely fresh idea. I think The Matrix is one of the most profoundly fresh science fiction films ever made, and yet I do see snippets of Terminator DNA in it, and I'm flattered by that. I like that, because I kicked the ball down the field, and somebody else took it and ran with it. 
They did something great. I might riff on something from the Matrix at some point, consciously or unconsciously. I think that's how it works. We inspire each other as artists to go farther, and I think of new things based on ideas that are in the zeitgeist. Cameron said the complexities of the films can deepen too, as the audience collects insights and impressions along the way, become savvier spectators, and more sophisticated concept consumers. This guy writes, The benefit there is now you don't have to stop and explain stuff, Cameron said. There was a point in time where things needed to be explained and now we can build on those ideas without having to explain them. You know, some mud man from Borneo might come in and watch a science fiction movie now and, well, they'd be lost for a lot of reasons. So that's the mud man from Borneo. Not politically correct, I imagine, but okay, go for it. And so let's say instead it's somebody that has been plucked from the 1940s. If they are watching a science fiction movie from today, they wouldn't get it at all. They'd be missing all the cultural references and the development of the ideas in between the world that they know and the world we know now. As for Cameron, who celebrated his 65th birthday, there's no time like the present when it comes to reconnecting with the legacy of the past and hitching it to the filmmaking opportunities of the future. His voice is more energised and louder as he explains the bright possibilities he discovers in the darkened magic of a movie theatre. What I love to do, really, Aussie accent, James Cameron. The cat literally just leaped onto my mouse. I'm lucky the mic's still there. What I love to do the most is to create that completely kind of subsuming experience where you turn off your phone and you engage. You, as an audience member, engage for two hours or two and a half hours, whatever it is. That's what I love. We stand and stare at each other on the Avatar set sometimes when we're just kicking back with some of the animators and we're like, wow, this is really cool. That's my favorite thing. And you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Well, that's exciting. I love it when I read something even as cheesy as that. And I'm like, oh, it gets me all misty-eyed about working in film. And I'm like, not really for, for the grace of God. If I just kicked my own ass enough and uh, somehow got over to America in my 20s, who knows? That's just, it gives me a glimpse into that world of just being able to do what you love get paid for it and create and even guys at the top of the game like him are like well i better make money because i want to make more but if it doesn't we're screwed everyone's beholden at some point to the market except maybe tarantino he can do whatever the fuck he wants apparently so that's that that was written by god knows who i should throw that in there i have to scroll all the way up you can probably hear that jeff boucher for of course deadline and there's some good stuff i might go back to their tv because i do need to come up with some new content for the banana split we're a week behind on that too because the co-host Jaden managed to get a voice in not a voice infection that's a really cool idea for a uh, or premise for a sci-fi film of some kind the voice infection once he speaks that's it you're under his control or even cleverer than that i'm riffing here but yeah i'll leave it on the main page because i need some content we're going to talk about packs i want to do a bit of that here i'm tempted Basically, I had an awesome time. Got my That was my first media pass. Hopefully, you know, I did write an article a week later, get plenty of photos out, and hopefully they're happy, and I can do the same next year. Yeah, so I'm going to go into that in more detail on Sunday. Hopefully, we get that done. It is now nearly midnight. I'm awake in five hours for a second last day in the warehouse. Um, hopefully, I don't drop more paint. And yeah, I've only done that once so far. So you've got to be careful where you put those things. And how fast you go around corners, put it that way. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the front page about BBC facing extinction if it fails to win back young viewers from Netflix and YouTube. Ofcom. Oh, wow. So that's from the government itself, its regulator. They're like, 
Yeah, we're just going to delete that entire fucking giant mammoth monolithic institution that is the BBC because everyone's on Netflix. I never would have thought I'd seen the day. If they're talking about that now, it probably won't happen now, but you can see that in 10, 20 years, it's yeah, not a good sign. It's on the way out. And it was you need like an independent bulwark to buttress culture with stuff that's well thought out and done not just with the bottom dollar in mind. I mean, you need to be going where the viewers are, but there's a space for stuff like Sesame Street wouldn't exist without a bit of support early on. Yeah, Joker, we're going to talk about that as well on Sunday. Everyone's seen that. We did talk about it already, but I was going to mention that that's made nearly half a billion dollars on a par with Avengers Infinity War for like an opening weekend, So, which is insane. It's, it's made all the money. It's beaten uh, Deadpool as uh, the highest ever grossing R-rated movie. So, yeah, I, w- I was going to read, actually, I've got the trivia set up there, good to go. But we're at 43 minutes now, barring some small edits. So, yeah, that will do, I think. I don't want to kill myself with this thing. And I've got to keep it fun. And you've got to get to work or whatever you're doing next. So stay happy. Stay in touch. You know, I'm an open book. But yeah, just stay in touch and because I love feedback. I do hear now and then that people enjoy this, but I can never get enough. It's like, tell me what to do that works and tell me what doesn't work. Um, I believe the one I did about the flamboyant scientist went on a bit long, but I just, once I got my teeth into it, that was it. I think today was all right. I'm happy. Hopefully you're happy. And that is a solid 60 for another week. (laughs) Hopefully I'm back um, at some point in November. I call it weekly, but you know, we do it when it works. So that's it. Peace out. Have a week. (laughs) 